Welcome to Episode 9 of the Curious Matter Anthology. I'm Jonathan Pezza, the creator and host of the series. Thank you to everyone out there in listener land. It's taken a little longer than expected to get the second half of the season to you due to the challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic, but I promise it was well worth the wait. This podcast is a labor of love produced out of my basement in Reseda, California. So if you can, please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the show at patreon.com slash curiousmatter. Every dollar contributed goes back to making Curious Matter better and getting episodes to you faster. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CMAnthology. It's likely you've never heard of William Hope Hodgson or his stories about Thomas Carnacki, the Ghost Finder. But that just means I have the honor of introducing this cutting-edge writer to a whole new generation. Hodgson was a British author in the early 20th century, whose novels and short stories had him on a trajectory to be immortalized among contemporaries like Arthur Conan Doyle and Ian Fleming. He wrote from 1904 until 1916, and in that time produced 95 short stories, six finished novels, and numerous poems. He enlisted in the British Army at the outset of World War I and tragically lost his life during the Battle of the Somme. But even in that short amount of time, his impact on the horror genre can still be felt today. Now, I love a good ghost story. There must be something in our DNA that draws us towards tales of the supernatural, because it's likely the oldest literary tradition on the planet, dating back as far as we have records, from Egyptian mythology, to Greek tragedy, to Japanese no theater, people throughout the history of the world love ghosts. Many of Hodgson's stories dealt with supernatural themes, but unlike other writers at the time, his tales were truly scary. Thomas Carnacki wasn't the first ghost detective, but he was the first to take a scientific approach to the realm of the paranormal. In fact, the stories were filled with extremely cutting-edge technology for 1910 when the first story appeared. Things like vacuum tubes, circuitry, portable batteries, mobile flash photography, and electrical recording of audio phenomenon were included in his tales even though at the time many of these advancements were in the earliest stages of development. The thing that struck me most about Thomas Carnacki as a character though, was that he was the first to admit he was afraid. That fear was natural in the face of the unknown. Necessary, in fact, as a way to understand our place in a universe that stretches and will likely always stretch far beyond humanity's ability to understand. Over the next four episodes, we will be presenting two of the detective's greatest cases. This first story is titled Gateway of the Monster and appeared in the January 1910 issue of The Idler. This episode of Curious Matter is rated explicit and includes adult language and violence comparable to an R-rated film. Our show is designed to be a completely immersive HD audio experience and is at its best when played through high-quality stereo speakers or headphones. So, grab your popcorn, turn out the lights, and enjoy our presentation of Karnacki. Well, now that looks about right as rain. A bit of polish always does the trick. Fine work if I do say so myself. Ah, Emma. How are things coming along? Oh, 
Almost done, Mr. Willsby, sir. I'll accept the locked room at the end. That's quite all right. I handle that particular room myself. That's the room with the... reputation, is it? We don't discuss it in this house. And I'll thank you as the newest addition to the staff to do the same. Oh, sounds quite scandalous. But mum's the word. What would a great big house like this be without a few secrets? Yes, sir. That's enough for today, I think. Finish what you were working on and then head home for the evening. I'll see you in the morning. I'll just grab my cleaning basket, give it a last once-over before I head down. Good night, Mr. Willsby. Now where did I leave my basket? I swear I'd misplace my own hands if they weren't screwed on. Oh, there you are. It's a shame. A big old house like this and no one living in it. No accounting for the rich, I guess. You scared me! Uh, hello? Hello? Mr. Willsby? Did you need something? Mr. Willsby? Mr. Willsby? Did you want me to take care of that last room after all? Well, he wouldn't have unlocked it if he didn't want me giving it at least a touch-up. I don't know what all the fuss was about. Room could use a modern touch is all. The only thing scandalous is these bedclothes. Thrown about all willy-nilly. Let's make you up neat and pretty. have sworn the window must have been open from the... Emma? Oh. Emma? Are you still up here? I'm in here! Oh god. No. Me, sir. <coughs> wow, that is a most wonderfully odorous cigar. What can I get you? I'm actually looking for someone, but I'm afraid I'm not quite sure what the fellow looks like. I was told I'd likely find a Mr. Thomas Carnacki here on most afternoons. Yeah, he's here. In the billiards room, fleecing some poor sucker. Look for the limey with the mustache and the scar. Can't miss him. Well, thank you. It's nice to know there are a few gentlemen left. Anytime, toots. Afraid that's the pot, frame, and match, sir. I believe this is when you Americans like to say, pay up. A pleasure. You cheated. 
I most certainly did not. There's no way anybody could pull off a shot like that without a trick ball. Let me see it. Suit yourself, but I warn you, you will not find anything but the ordinary before you. Then you cheated somewhere else. You seem like a man well acquainted with failure. Uh, Chalk this one up to my clear cognitive superiority. Consider this an education in the value of geometry and physics. Your what? My meaning being I am not a Luddite like yourself. No offense meant. Give me my damn money back. Afraid not, my friend. A bet is a bet. I'm not going to ask you again. Kanaki, watch out. He's got a knife. Of course he does. Alas, this was my favorite cue. Shall we? Wow, that is a lot of red balls. I thought pool was less monochromatic. Oh, don't stop the fight on my account. This appeared on the cusp of turning interesting. I'll find you some other time, Karnacki. This ain't over. I shall be right here. Thomas Karnacki, I presume? Check out the games on her. Cute kid. I'm old enough to show you- Arkwright, that's enough. Excuse my assistant, don't let his minute stature fool you. I assure you, he is a man grown. He was simply born with achondroplasia. Dwarfism. My companion's name is Mr. Arkwright. And I am Thomas, Thomas Karnacki. I thought dwarves only appeared in fairy tales. First name's Samson. I could show you a fairy tale if that's your thing. What can I do for you? Miss. Name's Mabel Dodson with the Boston Evening Examiner. I write for our occult and mysticism column. People are just gaga for that kind of stuff nowadays. Ghosts and mediums, ectoplasm, sells like hotcakes apparently. I heard that you- We got nothing to say to muckrakers like you. Come on, Karnacki. I am very sorry, but we have nothing to share with the tabloid co-conspirators of charlatans and con artists. Come again? I am a journalist, sir. It's because of people like you that these so-called mediums have become wolves to the sheep, selling false goods, preying on tragedy and loss for exorbitant fees. The grieving mothers and widows of war deserve better. Don't you agree? You should be ashamed of yourself. You seem nice. May I suggest finding another line of work? Perhaps consider a more respectable avenue. I hear horoscopes are popular. I find it a bit high and mighty for the man known as the Ghost Finder to lecture me about con artists. You have quite the client list. Way I heard it, Reginald Anderson paid you a small fortune to get rid of the problem at Cornish Downs. You don't know nothing, lady. That's Reginald Anderson of the Anderson Textiles Empire? It's quite the amazing story how they rose from literal rags to riches. I guess some people have all the luck. Well, maybe not so lucky anymore. It's a tragedy what happened to his son's family, though, wouldn't you say? It was indeed. See, I've been doing some digging, Mr. Karnacki. Rumor is, you are rich as Croesus. You earn all that, shocking the poor rubes at pool are just the high society suckers of Fifth Avenue. The readers would sure love to know. Snooker, madam. If you plan to slander someone, at least get the details correct. This game is snooker. Look, I'll level with you. I don't believe a lick of it. All that boogity-boo... It's applesauce. Hogwash. But the Hoopleheads do love it. If you don't believe, or at least pretend to believe, then why even here? Because they don't give serious assignments to women. The fluff? Sure. They give us the garbage that no other serious reporters would touch. Funny thing is, 
Carnish Downs don't sound like fluff to me. It sounds like foul play. From my research, I count three dead of strange circumstances and a maid so traumatized that she is now a permanent resident of Butler Asylum. I don't know what really went on in that house, Mr. Carnack, but I can tell you this. It ain't some ghost or goblin that did that, and I mean to get to the bottom of it. And you are quite sure? Sure of what? That the events at Cornish Downs were not preternatural in nature. Come on. A ghost killed three people and drove another as mad as a hatter? Ghosts don't kill people, Mr. Karnacki. People kill people. You don't know how true you are. Nine times out of ten. And the tenth time? Just because you do not understand something and ascribe it to the realm of folklore does not mean that there is not enough room in the natural orders for the abhuman and monstrous. Well, Mr. Karnacki, prove me wrong. Hmm. What are you doing, Karnacki? Maybe she's right. Perhaps it's time people know the truth. May I suggest we tuck in somewhere a bit more comfortable? Can't rush a good tale, you know. Ah. Here we are. It appears they are opening the gate for us. Wow. Now that's what I call a house. A castle. Apparently. They had it shipped stone by stone from Finland. Don't they eat rotten fish in Finland? I'll let you ask our host. It appears he's come out to greet us himself. Thomas Karnacki, thanks for coming all the way out here to our little shack in the country. Reginald Anderson, put her there. Yes, uh, my pleasure. Beautiful house you have here. Took a lot to bring her all the way out here. Thought it was worth every penny at the time. Who doesn't want to live in a castle? She was originally called Norden Ringus. Nord Ring. Uh, Njord is the Scandinavian god of luck, if I'm not mistaken. Thought its Finnish name was a little too foreign sounding for the wasps, if you get my drift. Took me ten years to get rid of the accent. Hence Cornish Downs. Do they eat rotten fish in Finland? Arkwright. Please see to the luggage and equipment. Peter, come help the, uh... My assistant. Please help Mr. Karnacki's assistant unload their things. Right away, sir. I've had dinner laid out, if you don't mind eating early. We've uh, been forced to reduce staff we allow to stay on the premises after, well... Uh, I myself will be catching the train back to the city after supper. Ah, I see. And who will remain to assist in my investigation? Peter. He's been with us since we laid the first stone. No one knows the house better. Under these circumstances, I prefer to get started at once. That is, if you don't mind forgoing the meal. I can always eat on the train, but I warn you, I must leave before... Sunset. Train schedules, I'm sure you understand. Peter is more than willing to help you with anything that you may need. I know this may be hard, 
but you may have essential information to my understanding the nature of these goings-on under your roof, sir. I'll not stay a moment after sundown. Then, by all means, lead on. Thank you, Peter. I hope you don't mind if I wait out here. Not at all. Mr. Arkwright, if you would, measurements, please. On it, boss. So this is the room where... This is where we found Robert, his wife, and my grandson. Two years ago? Yes. 1920. It was the 4th of July weekend. And you found them? Peter did. I couldn't bring myself... I, I didn't want to see them in that state. Yes, of course. You're doing just fine, sir. I know this isn't... easy. Peter, would you mind so much describing how you found them? What do you mean, sir? The positions and state of the bodies two years ago when you found them. If you would. The police came and investigated. I'm not sure what this has to do with- I assure you, the information may be important. <sighs> Go ahead, Peter. Well... I found the boy first. He was stark in the middle of the room. Face down. He was the first one I saw. instantly knew something was horribly wrong. I turned him over, and there were claw-like bruises on his tiny... I, I can't. That's okay. I think I understand. Let us move on. The mother. The missus was on the bed. She looked almost like she was sleeping. Only I knew she wasn't, because, because of Robert. Where was Mr. Anderson's son? Hanging, sir, from the rung of the four-poster, bedclothes around his neck. I know what you're thinking. It's the same thing I paid the detectives not to report. My son was not capable of that. He was good, deep down to his core good. He was going to succeed me and run the business. It was all announced. Why would he? Why would... Peter would have died to protect his family. I assure you, sir, I am of an open mind. What else did you see, Peter? Strange thing was... He was missing a finger on his right hand. Blood everywhere, cut clean off, and the bedclothes, you see, they weren't tied in a noose or a knot. It was more like, well, they were, they were coiled like a snake, sir, wrapped time and again around him like an animal, like a demon of hell, sir. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Excuse me? Sorry to interrupt story time. I've got the measurements. The room is a perfect cube, if you believe it. Equilaterally symmetrical in all three dimensions. How is that relevant? It's extremely rare, architecturally speaking. What the hell does that have to do with anything? 
Spaces can often act as vessels, trapping etheric manifestations within. I'm not saying that is the case here. Far too early to tell the what's what of things, but I prefer to pursue all avenues of possibility. Thank you, Arkwright. I think that's quite enough. Please bring up my night one trunk and, uh, yes, the camera and flash as well as the tripwire kit. What about the you-know-what? I don't think we're quite at that stage yet, do you? Fine by me. The damn thing's heavy. Now where were we? Ah, yes. Demonic bedclothes. Was that everything? Anything else stand out? Isn't that enough? It is indeed. It's awful, sir. There is not a night that goes by when the evil thing doesn't make its presence known. Doors opening and shutting, even when locked. Chill winds, noises like... No one sleeps in the house anymore. And I'm the only one who will even step foot after dark. Where do you sleep? I've taken over the gardener's hut. I am not proud of it, but someone must stay on the ground. There is no shame in protecting yourself. I noticed a large room at the end of the hall that should serve for Arkwright and I during our investigation. Shouldn't take more than a few nights. You mean to stay in the house? How else am I to root out the culprit? Now what do you say? Let's have us a hunt. As I mentioned earlier, I lead a small band of misfits telling big stories out of my basement in Reseda, California. And I can't do it without your help. So, again, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash curiousmatter. Also, if you haven't yet, check out our new line of apparel and accessories, available through our website at www.curiousmatterpodcast.com. Thank you for spending your time with us, and now, the conclusion of Karnaki, Gateway of the Monster, Part 1. So you mean to tell me that after being presented with clear evidence that there was a cover-up of Robert Anderson murdering his own wife and child, you still continued with your charade? Even if, as you say, the Anderson heir had committed those grievous acts, which it is now my belief he did not, my duty in the matter was to ascertain the validity and cause of the preternatural disturbances. And how exactly does one do that? By using scientific methods. Against ghosts? Preternatural phenomena is not magic. It exists as part of the natural law governed universe. The exception being, most are simply ignorant to the intricacies and factors involved. Now, if you'll please, let me continue. Oh, by all means. Do go on. The equipment seems to have survived our journey well enough. How's the visual inspection of the room come along? No secret doors or false floors that I could find. Window locks are all intact. There might be an attic or crawl space above. We're checking out to see if anything's fishy. Yes, quite right. But first wax seals and ribbons. Tonight will be spent without, so that we may attempt to experience whatever may be happening here as the tenants have. Seals and ribbons? Like on antique letters? Precisely. By affixing wax seals to the doors and windows, we can track the exact movements of the culprit. Etheric or not. You've used that word. Etheric. Before. What exactly does it mean? All in good time. Now, where was I? Oh yes, seals. Arkwright and I placed wax on all the points of egress. Then, using the ribbon, we laid a precise grid on the floor, affixing another seal to the vertices. If anything, or anyone, entered the room attempted to play us the fool, 
I would be able to deduce their precise movements by the breakages in our system. That's the last one. What exactly are you doing? Setting the mousetrap, sir. I take it Mr. Anderson has left us? Yes, he is on his way to the station now. Arkwright, the camera and flash should be set up in the hall if you would be so kind. Aim towards the door, I think. You sure you want it outside? Wouldn't inside be more valuable? Peter, the maid. Miss Schultz. Emma. From what I understand, you believe the room lured her in? I do. There's no other answer. And you're quite sure you locked the door before she entered the grey room? I always keep it locked. Yes, Arkwright, outside the door in the hall, if you please. And then I think it's time to tuck in and see what's what. Please, sir, reconsider sleeping in the house. Oh, I don't sleep. Pretty much ever. I'll let Arkwright get some rest until the hour is upon us, as I keep the watch, as it were. But, sir, I do not believe you understand the danger you are in. I cannot guarantee your safety. There are no guarantees in this life but we have means of protection at our disposal. And I, for one, never leave my abode without my Webley revolver. You expect me to believe you need guns for ghosts? As I mentioned, most often there are human agendas driving the occurrences. Agendas that do not like to be uncovered and in which a trusty sidearm is most effective. Do you require anything else before I leave you for the night? Yes. The key to the Grey Room, if you please. Here you go. Cover the keyhole with a business card and seal it with wax, Mr. Arkwright. I shall set the wire to trigger the camera if the door is opened. You are quite sure there's nothing I can do to persuade you the foolishness of this? I can arrange rooms at the inn just down the road. No, sir. We are quite comfortable. Then I will say good night, and good luck. May God protect you, sirs. I'm up. I'm up. <sighs> when did it get so damned cold? A moment ago, just as the clock struck. I think the hour is upon us. Quickly now, get the dark lamps lit with the hoods closed. I placed a chair for you at the other end of the hallway. I'd like you to position yourself there, if you would, please. There's no time to waste. Open the hood of your lamp, only one click, so that I may make out your position from the glow, but no more. What about the fences? It's important we get a full grasp of the what's what in its natural state. What it feels like, tastes like, as it were. The room apparently has a way of drawing victims in. And whatever we do, neither of us must enter the room. I shall act as a safeguard against that for you, and you must do the same for me. Why am I the one that always has to walk down the creepy hallway alone in the dead of night? Benefits of seniority. Fine. 
but I'm taking Bertha with me. As you see fit. Just try not to shoot me in the dark again. It was only thought chat. Fine, fine, now go. anything beyond the tip of my nose with the hood set on the lamp like this. Patience. Your eyes will adjust to the darkness. Open the hood only in the case of emergency. I found the chair. I'm in position. Now we wait. blinded me. But in the brief illumination there was a shape. Tell me, what did you see? I'm as blind as you from that damned flash. Apparently the accounts were not exaggerated. Most extraordinary. What should I do? Oh, come on. It's in the The doors just flew open of their own volition, and you, the both of you grown men, professional whatever you was, just cowered in your boots like schoolgirls? It happens more than you would guess. He seems tough and all. By Jove, just etheric energy. Tut tut. He's a big fraidy cat. Oh really? Fear is one of the most important tools when confronting the abhuman. In that doorway, I stood frozen, unable to move. Prickles along my spine with a dread of the spirit so complete and oppressive. It was all but suffocating. Fear is a function of the mind's ability to protect itself. Hone your understanding of fear, and it may be a barometer for predicting the weather, as it were. And what did your barometer tell you? That a storm was coming. Carnegie! A circle. We must lay down a protective circle. Next time you go down the hall with the homicidal ghost. Shh, listen. It's in the hall. The chalk. Here. Stand here in the center. Now. What was the chalk for? To draw a defensive circle. A decagram to be precise, along with the eight signs of the Samar ritual. I thought you were a man of science. How does this sort of hocus pocus fit into all this? Things deemed magical occasionally have practical applications. It it just means that the practitioners of yesteryear knew the how and not the why, so like all of us, they improvised. There are certain geometries linked to the fabric of the natural world, and, and these shapes you see are conduits, celestial circuitry. When utilized correctly, they can be effective. Say I believe you. What happened next? Mr. Arkwright and I 
spent the rest of the night huddled together within the lines of chalk, praying that whatever was outside that door had not the power to cross our hastily drawn defenses. And? The hour grows late. We shall continue this in the light of a new day. Return tomorrow. You've got to be kidding. You're going to leave me there? He always does this. Good night, Miss Dodgson. Well, I think the house might be haunted. Indeed. I hope you enjoyed our presentation of Karnaki. If you haven't yet, please make sure to subscribe for free on the podcast platform of your choice and rate us with five stars today. If you like the podcast, leave us a review and connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under the handle at CM Anthology. This episode was dramatized, directed, and edited by me, your host, Jonathan Pezza. It was co-produced by Melissa Starr. Our ensemble cast self-engineered their recordings at home and include the talented voices of Stephen Weston as Thomas Karnacki, Ali Rivera as Mabel Dodgson, Philip Gray as Samson Arkwright, Chris Amick as Peter, Alexandra Amick as Emma, Jeremy Pezza as the bartender, and Jonathan Pezza, me, as Reginald Anderson. The score was provided by Epidemic Music. Sound effects were provided by SoundSnap.com. The Gateway of the Monster is a work in the public domain and was produced in accordance with U.S. copyright law. Curious Matter is a production of Jonathan Pezza Inc., copyright 2020, all rights reserved. If you have a question or feedback or just want to write and say hello, I'd love to hear from you. So reach out to me at Jonathan at CuriousMatterPodcast.com or check us out online for more information at www.CuriousMatterPodcast.com. Here on Curious Matter, we dedicate each episode to an independent bookstore. This episode goes out to the Lit Bar, Bookstore and Chill, the only independent bookstore in the Bronx. This bookshop and wine bar serves up great reads and great wine. Opened in 2019, their mission is to create a haven that inspires reading, encourages healthy social connections, highlights diverse voices, and increases intellectual visibility in the Bronx. You can find them at 131 Alexander Avenue, Bronx, New York, 10454. And though it may be harder to sip and browse due to the COVID-19 outbreak, don't worry, they have you covered. With their full selection available online at thelitbar.com or through their online store, bookshop.org slash shop slash thelitbar. So do yourself a favor, head on over and buy yourself a book. Coming up on the next episode of Curious Matter, Find out how this case ends in the conclusion of Karnacki, Gateway of the Monster. You won't want to miss it, so make sure to subscribe for free today, and thank you for listening. <laughs>